as you probably have noticed, we're in a process on Wednesday nights of roaming through Romans. Now, you know and I know that here in, in southwest Missouri and Oklahoma and like that, we'd be roaming through Romans. You didn't catch that. Roaming or Roman? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Think about it. You'll laugh on the way home, I guarantee it. Amen? And uh, so we want to look at chapter 8 tonight. Uh, when when uh, Pastor Joan put out a request uh, or asked if we had a particular chapter that we wanted to, to teach and, and preach, uh, which is what I do, uh, I said Romans 8. And one of the reasons why is because every person that writes a commentary on Romans the 8th chapter calls it the most dramatic chapter in the whole Bible. The most dramatic chapter in the whole Bible. And I agree with that. And so we're going to be looking tonight in the New King, King James Version, uh, but I'm also going to be quoting some out of the Passion and the Message. We won't be putting that on the screen, but I'll be quoting from that. And uh, as we study this, there are parts of this that sound really dire, really, uh, I hate to use the word scary, but if you read it the wrong way, if you're not taught by the Holy Spirit, then it could have kind of a scary connotation. But just hang with me, and I think that, uh, that uh, you'll find out that um, what he is saying in here is really uplifting and something that we can really get a hold of and live our life according to what he says in Romans 8 chapter. Now, as most translations uh, and most Bibles have a heading, ironically, New King James has a heading for verses 1 through 17. And this is what the New King James says, free from indwelling sin. The Passion Translation says, living by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I like the message. The message calls these 17 verses. The solution is life on God's terms. Glory to God. Now, you can say amen every now and then, or if you want to, just kind of keep me on, in line. But these three together tell us how to live our life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And, and that's what we want to do. We want to live our life the way God wants us to live our life. And the, the reason we want to live our life that way is so that we will be a blessing and then he can bless us. If we live our life the way God wants us to, according to Romans the 8th chapter, then we'll be a drawing card to others to come into the kingdom of God. But if we don't, if we, if, if we live it uh, contrary to what, uh, or to what we're going to study tonight, why well, then we, we'll be forcing people away from the kingdom of God, I believe. Now, I just want to make one statement out of chapter 7. Paul tells us in, in chapter 7 that he doesn't do what he should do some of the times, and some of the times he does what he shouldn't do. And then he says this, he says, Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then we go into chapter 8. Now, we know that, that man put chapter and verse in there, so it's just a continuation on, and whoever teaches chapter 7 will probably do that. But we're going to look tonight in chapter 8 
And in verse 1 in the New King James Version, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, <clears throat> pardon me, who are in Christ Jesus. Stop. The original text stops here. The rest of that is not in the original text. It will be covered later in chapter 8, but right here it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want you to, to, to stop there because I want you to understand that there is no condemnation from God. Once we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, there is no condemnation. You notice it says, to those who are in Him. Now, if you want to know who you are in Him, go out to the bookcase out there and they, they are to the Welcome Center and they have that little Brother Hagen book in Him. I think they're a buck fifty or something like that. And get that. But it says, to those who are in Christ Jesus. So no condemnation can come from God if we're in Christ Jesus. See, John 3.17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so, if there is any condemnation, it's not going to come from God. Now, this is what, um, what the Passion Translation calls condemnation. An accusing voice. The message calls it a continuous, low-lying black cloud. We should never think or feel that God condemns us. Why? Because condemnation can't come from God if we're in Him. It will not come from God if we are in Him. Glory to God. Condemnation is defined in vines as to give judgment against or pass sentence upon. And as it says in John 3.17, it won't come from God. Because he didn't send Jesus here to condemn us. He, came, he sent Jesus to come and save us. And to get us into the family of God. And get us into the kingdom of God. And get us doing the things of God. So that one day he can come back and catch us up out of here. Glory to God. And we'll meet him in the air and there shall we ever be. Glory to God. And if we go on before that time happens, it says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Woo! I get excited just thinking about that. Amen? If I get excited, watch out. I may, I may just take off on a tear here in a minute. If we are in Jesus, as I said, God can't and He won't condemn us. There are only three places that condemnation can come from. Number one is the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. Isn't that what the Word says? He's the accuser of the brethren. So we know that the devil would bring condemnation, then other people will bring condemnation. So that's number two. The devil or other people. Condemnation can come from them. And the third one is yourself. Now don't ever condemn yourself. Because if you keep the devil from condemning you, and you keep others from condemning you, you might have a tendency to lay all the blame on yourself. But if you have done something that you don't feel right about, just go to 1 John 1, 9. Amen? And what does it say? We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. And then we can also 
remember that the devil is a liar. Not only is he a liar, but he's the father of lies. Jesus told the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, you're your father the devil. He's a liar and the father of lies. And so you don't have to believe anything. In fact, whatever the devil tells you, just start getting excited because the opposite's going to happen. If he says he's going to destroy you, you know that prosperity is coming. Glory to God. If he tells you you're sick, you know that your health is right there. Hallelujah, because he's a liar. And other people, you know, they, they, there are so much things going on in the world today. And what people are saying about each other. I don't even like to watch TV anymore. So don't receive that. Because the Bible tells us that we should not fear what man can do to us. And if God be for us, later on in chapter 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? Glory to God. So don't receive that. Now we're going to get into a little trickiness here in, in chapter 8, of verse 2 of the New King James. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Now you can shout there. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now this is not the Old Testament law or God's commandments on how we're to live our life that he's talking about, this law here. What he's talking about is the destructive forces of sin and death that came into this earth because of the fall in the garden. That's the law of sin and death. When Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he loosed the forces of sin and death on this earth. And by doing that, he brought about spiritual death and then eventually physical death, not only for himself and for his wife Eve, but for everybody that comes after him until when? Until Jesus went to the cross, was made sin, was dead, buried, and resurrected, entered the Holy of Holies in heaven, presented himself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, and God cut a covenant with him, and we became heirs of that covenant. Now, I'm going to be excited tonight, so you might as well just buckle your seatbelts, okay? So this, this law he's talking about here is this evil, destructive forces of sin and death that came in because of the fall in the garden. But then in verse 3 in the New King James, Paul does a flip-flop. And he begins to talk about the law of God. The, the, the Old Testament commandments. And uh, Paul says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin... And he condemns sin in the flesh. Glory to God. Let's go on to verse 4. That the righteous requirement of the law might both be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So how do we do that? In Him. In Him. Didn't He tell us that He, he came not to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law? So if we're in Him, we're fulfilling the law, aren't we? Well, we may make a mistake now and then. We may do something that, that doesn't line up with the Word occasionally. 
But all we got to do is go to 1 John 1, 9, as I said. Glory to God. Glory to God. So Paul switches from that law of sin and death that entered the earth, and then he starts talking about God's commandments, and then he tells us that we could not live up to those commandments in ourselves. How could we do it? We could only do it through Jesus Christ. Because the law only brought us into knowledge that we were sinners separated from God. Did you catch that? The law of God brought us into an understanding that we are sinners separated from God until we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life. It says, it says that through Jesus, and Jesus was in the likeness of sinful flesh, yet he was sinless, God could condemn sin in the flesh. Jesus took that condemnation so we wouldn't have to. And according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, he was made or created to be sin for us on the cross so that we could be made or created to be the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not shouting as much as I thought you would. Verse 4 continues by telling us that we couldn't be made righteous by the Old Testament law, but in Jesus we are made righteous. And in Him we fulfill, catch this, in Him we fulfill every requirement of the law. Go back and read the Ten Commandments. And tell me who's never coveted somebody else's goods. Who hasn't watched, watched a Mercedes driving down the road? <laughs> and say, boy, I wish I had that. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll quit the meddling and get back to teaching. Okay. So, in other words, we can walk being led by the Holy Spirit and not by our flesh. And that's what he's talking about in this chapter. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. See, you have two choices. And that's what we're dealing with mostly in the Scriptures tonight that I'm going to be covering, 1 through uh, uh, about 14 at least, is that you have two choices. You can live your life according to the way the world lives, you can live it selfishly. You can live it uh, thinking about yourself only. You can live it by, oh, if it feels good, do it. You know, that's that greasy grace uh, doctrine that's going around now. It's a lie from the pit of hell. God has a way He wants you to live, but the only way you can do it is in Him, in Jesus. Glory to God. You can, so you can live with the selfish desires and live and think like the world does, or you can pursue the things of God. It's His plans, His rules, not our plans and our rules. And that's what He's telling us here. So we have to give the Word first place in our life. In verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And the word carnally there merely means fleshly minded. To be fleshly minded or to be worldly minded. Do you think like the world thinks or do you think like God thinks? Sunday in my offering message, I said, it says in, in, uh, in Isaiah, the first chapter, verse 18, come, let us reason together. We've got to think the way God thinks. 
And the only way we're going to do that is if our spirit man is in control of our mind. Our mind, our will, our emotion, and our intellect will get us in trouble unless our spirit man is in control. And the only way our spirit man can be in control is if we're being led by the Holy Spirit, which is living on the inside of us after we've made Jesus Christ the Lord of our life. The death there is not spiritual death, but it means death to walking in the promises of God. But here's the worst part about it. The death there means broken fellowship. When you start doing the things of the world, when you start being fleshly minded, then you break fellowship with God. Instead of running to God and getting it all taken care of, what do you do? You stay away from church. You quit reading your Bible. You quit praying. No, 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 no. You don't want to do that. No, you want to, you want to be in fellowship, get back in fellowship. It's not talking about relationship here. It's talking about fellowship. See, we're still saved. And it says life and peace. See, the Spirit-led life brings the promises of God and the peace of God. And the Bible tells us that the peace of God passes all of our human understanding. Glory to God. I cannot understand this with my mind, but I can with my spirit who has been taught by the Spirit. Glory to God. That's what he's talking about. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Enmity here means to go against God's direction or to go against His Word. And it literally can mean to be at war with God. God tells you something in His Word. The Holy Spirit tells you something and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, you're at war with God. Now, I don't know about you. <laughs> He's a little more powerful than I am and I don't want to be at war with God. Amen? Amen. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, I want to point out here that God doesn't condemn those who are controlled by the flesh, but He is not pleased by their actions. So if I do something wrong, He's not going to condemn me for it, but He's not, he, he's not pleased by it. Doesn't it say in Hebrews eleven six that without faith it is impossible to please God? And so being spirit-led and, and, and doing the things of God are going to please God, aren't they? Why? Because then we're walking in faith, aren't we? When we're being led by the Spirit, guess what? We're walking in faith. You want to know how to walk in faith? Be led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Teaching your spirit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Well, let me go back just a second. Uh, where was I? Oh, I got on the wrong page. That's what the problem is. Forgive me for that. In verse 9 it says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And so see, it all boils back to being born again. We've got to have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us if we're going to be led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and takes His residence in us. Our spirit man is recreated in the image of God. Hallelujah. And your spirit is alive unto God. And if you're not born again, you're not one of His children because you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you. 
Verse 10, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. See, your body is still limited by the pulling of sin and death. But your spirit is alive and you experience life according to the Word. The Word must govern your life. You must be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you see what I'm saying there tonight? Glory to God. Verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Glory to God. Now what He's talking about here, He will give, yes, He will give uh, life when we get our resurrected, glorified body. But that also means right now He'll give health and healing to our body. Health and healing. Health and healing. Glory to God. And it's much better to walk in health than to have to get a healing. Getting a healing is okay. But it's, it's really good to just walk in health. Amen? Amen. See, when the Holy Spirit lives in you, God will do the same thing for you that He did for Jesus. He will give life to your body, healing and health, as I said, and the new body when we're re- re- resurrected. Glory to God. Oh, this, this is such an exciting passage of Scripture, these the verses that we're covering tonight. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If we are not debtors, we don't owe anything to the flesh. Or in other words, we don't have to obey our flesh. We don't have to obey our flesh. Now, I've, I've told you that I can't have ice cream in the house. Because ice cream has my name. And I can be sitting five rooms away from the refrigerator and the freezer, and I hear, Denny, Rocky Road, Rocky Road is calling. No, see, I don't owe anything to my flesh if I'm being led by the Spirit. Now, I'm taking that to a little extreme there, I'm sure. But... When we let our spirit man be in control, the flesh cannot control us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many people in here have ever struggled with any kind of an addiction? I know a guy that was addicted to Mountain Dew soda pop. And his pickup truck, I'm not preaching you, Connie. His pickup truck was full of empty cans. And he quit drinking. The doctor told him, if you don't quit drinking that, you're going to die. That's how many he was drinking. He was drinking like two or three six-packs of of Mountain Dew a day. And so he quit cold turkey. And you talk to him, and he'd just be doing this. But see, when we walk being led by the Spirit, then the... The flesh has no control over us. Verse, verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Once again, we see the two directions of life. We can live according to the flesh or according to the Holy Spirit. If by the flesh we died to the things of God, 
But if we live by the Spirit, we can live the abundant life found in John 10, 10. Glory to God. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am coming that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Glory to God. Verse 14, New King James. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons, and I put in parentheses, children of God. Don't want to live, leave anybody out. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And the word led is a present participle or a present continuous tense. Okay? So it means being continually led by the Spirit. If you want to really be called a child of God, then you need to continually be led by the Spirit of God. You need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit every day. Every day. Be sensitive. I don't know how many times I've started to go someplace and the Lord said, don't go there. And so I don't go there. And then I hear that later on something happened. That if I'd have gone that way, I might have been involved in that. You know, being led by the Spirit... God may have one person picked out for you to contact that day. That day. And if you're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, glory to God, you'll go and see that person. And you probably won't know who it is until you get there. And then you'll figure out, well, this is what I was supposed to do today. Amen? Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Go on into verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And uh, we are free from the fear of condemnation or judgment, and we are not bound by the fear of the law of sin and death. Did you catch that? Did I read that right or did I read that wrong? Glory to God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen? Amen. And we're free from the fear of condemnation. We started out with that tonight. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. If I'm in Him and I'm being led by the Spirit, I don't have to fear the law of sin and death. That's been done away with because I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. That fear of sin and death is being separated from God. But when we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, we're in the family of God. When we are in Jesus, we're born again. The Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit that God is our Father. Now, I want to point out here that Abba here means literally, Father, my Father. And why do I go to that extent? Well, some translations go close to that, but I studied this out and I found out that it really means Father, my Father. See, that brings it down on a personal basis. It brings it down that He's my Father. He's my Father. I'm a Father but I'm not your father. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? I can say father, but it's father my father. He's my father. Glory to God. I don't have to fear sin and death. I don't have to fear the devil. 
I don't have to fear other people. I don't have to fear what the world says. All I have to do is do what the Word says and be led by the Spirit, and then I can call Him, Father, my Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, I got excited. Woo. And then let's look at verse 17 in the time we got left. Hallelujah. You didn't think I'd get all the way through here, did you? (laughs) And if children, grab a hold of your seat down there, that chair, or you might be blown clear out in the aisle. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Woo! Glory to God. If indeed we suffer with Him, then we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah! We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything He has, we have. He's our brother. He's our brother. Glory to God. And what He's got, I've got. What He's got, you've got. Hallelujah. If you're in Him. If you are in Him. But He puts something in here that a lot of people misunderstand or teach wrong. It says, if indeed we suffer with Him... Why do you think He suffered on the cross? So that we wouldn't have to. Some people teach that God will bring you through suffering before He can bless you. Baloney! He doesn't work that way. (laughs) It just merely means that we identify with the suffering that Jesus did on the cross so that we can be glorified with Him. You can find this in Romans, the sixth chapter. You can find it throughout the Bible. Hallelujah. When God teaches us, He teaches us with His Word. He doesn't do it with with sickness and disease, or taking something away from us, or withholding something from us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's exciting. So that we can be glorified together with Him. And that's what it says. You know, I said earlier that the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with Him in the air and there shall we ever be. Glory to God. See, this is the true meaning of love and grace. And I about fell over when they started singing that first song tonight. Remember the first song tonight? This is amazing grace. No, no, I won't sing it for you. You probably wouldn't believe that I used to lead praise and worship. I don't even believe it anymore. (laughs) But it's the true meaning of love and grace. That sinners separated from God could receive the same inheritance Jesus received by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's all we have to do. Woo! Woo! And you know, Ephesians, the second chapter says, we're seated together with Him in heavenly places. That's where God sees us. He sees us seated with Him. Suffering with Him means that we just simply identify with the sufferings He went through for us. Same as in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, the communion meal. We're told to remember His death. To remember what He went through on the cross. And just very briefly in the four minutes I have left, 
we get our eyes on the wrong things sometimes when it comes to the cross. We get our eyes on the outward things that took place and they were not pretty. They were brutal. But we have to remember that from 9 o'clock in the morning when he was hung on the cross until 12 noon, I call it the niceties of the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. All the niceties, but at 12 noon, what happened? There was no light on the face of the earth. Why? Because his spirit had died. No light. Now, poor old Cecil B. DeMille and, you know, all the ones that have made the movie, you know, it's thunder and lightning and all that, and that's not what it was. The only light that was on this earth was Jesus Christ, and he was made to be sent at 12 noon. And he was sent till almost 3 o'clock. And if you'll notice in there, he starts crying out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It went from Father to my God. Because God could not look on sin. And he created his own son to be sin for us. That we might be created to righteousness of God when we're in him. Glory to God. And about three o'clock in the afternoon, just before three o'clock, he says, I thirst. And they thought he was physically thirsty. But he was thirsting for that righteousness that he had had with the Father since before the foundation of the world. Did you catch that? I thirst. And then he said, it is finished. And then what does he say? Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And if you go back to 1 Peter, the third chapter, it says that he was quickened or made alive by the spirit by which he went and preached to the captives in hell. Glory to God. What a... What a what a Lord and Savior we serve. What a Father we serve. Hallelujah. And we remember that. No, we can't suffer like He suffered. We can't be made sin like He was made sin. But we can identify with it. And we identify with His death, His burial, and then in His resurrection, the newness of life. And in this newness of life, we are led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you that your Holy Spirit truly is the teacher of the word of God. Father, I thank you that as we meditate on what uh, your word says in chapter 8 of Romans, verses 1 through 17, Father God, that you will, you will make those words alive in us that Father God it would be our desire to be led by the Spirit of God that we would not be flesh minded we would be spirit minded that we would be led by the Spirit of God and we would fulfill your call on each one of our lives in Jesus mighty and holy name Amen